I do know that one one interesting thing about working with children, if you, you know, you teach with kids too, is um, it's really interesting how, especially as you get older, it's a challenge to your honesty because it'd be really easy to say, oh yeah, I mean, they're just kids. I can, I can take every one of them. And on some level that's right because they're, you're three times their weight, perhaps five-year-olds or eight-year-olds. So yeah, you could be king of the mountain around there. And so what I found amusing was that at some point though, um, as I got older, I had to actually start admitting like this teenage girl is way faster than I am. Or this six-year-old boy is way braver than I am. Mm. And just, you could go down the line and it's just so easy, I think, for adults to look at kids' classes like, oh, you're babysitting or whatever. And I've heard it all. Yeah. No, you're not. If then you're a crappy teacher, if you see that as babysitting, well then, oh, then why are you a teacher? Why don't you go be a babysitter? Put that up on your side. Um, but if you're actually in the game of teaching and you're also in the game of learning, um, I was amazed at how much I learned from the kids. Back with another episode of Conversations from the Hearth. Today we're joined by Sensei Ando, who has a pretty awesome YouTube channel called Happy Life Martial Arts. We're very honored to have him with us. Sensei Ando, how are you doing? Good morning, gentlemen. So nice to see you. Thanks for uh, asking me to join you by the hearth. Yeah. Very nice idea. <laughs> Honors all ours. You know, our YouTube channel is tiny compared to yours. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your training history? and uh, what's kind of taking you to where you are today? Sure, uh, in a nutshell, I was a, a young man who was looking for direction um, and martial arts seemed to answer a lot of the needs that a young man needs, wants. Uh, I saw Bruce Lee, that's a common story. And I just thought, this guy seems to have his act together. Mm -hmm. um, control his body, he's got tons of confidence. He's not a big guy, but he seems to own the room when he walks in. And as a smaller fellow, thinner fellow, um, I just, I thought that was very seductive. Like, okay, so what did he do to get that kind of charisma and confidence and control? If you're telling me it's martial arts, then then by God, I will follow martial arts. And um, in, in that silly fashion of copying um, before you find yourself, I went out and bought one of the traditional Chinese <laughs> looking, uh, you know, suits that Bruce Lee would wear and the Kung Fu shoes and set up shop in my garage. And um, I think I actually heard you discussing once the difference between art and craft and how you hold craft to be even higher than art um, because you learn from the masters first. You copy first and then you can find your own path. So I will admit that, yeah, Bruce Lee was a huge influence early on there. I, I found his Dao Jeet Kune Do and any exercise he talked about or anything I could see him doing, I wanted to do that because mm -hmm. I thought that was the path. Like you have to do that. And yeah. then of course, uh, as you get older and you start realizing that you're not that person, mm -hmm. then, then the new challenge comes up. Well, then who are you? Mm -hmm. And then you realize that was actually Bruce's message all along. It's just be you, be the best version of you that you can be. Express yourself, don't express a copy of me. So yeah. that's when the art of just being me, <laughs> whatever level of art that is, uh, then that's where that begins to emerge over the next couple of decades. So. Mm -hmm. um, there's your nutshell of it. Started with Bruce Lee, and now it's just me. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, so you, when did you start training in martial arts? Um, I was in my mid-teens. Um, I have a, a brother who's a year younger than I am, but he's always bigger and stronger. So in that way, we, like Tiger Cubs, we were always practicing. Mm -hmm. um, just no hitting in the face. That was the only rule. Otherwise, everything anything goes. Um, but then actually getting into it, when I saw Bruce Lee, I was probably 14, 15, something like that. And um, at the same time, my, my father was not in our household uh, regularly. So maybe there's also a father figure thing, just like what is a male in this world? Uh, of course, you don't know that when you're a kid. But um, looking back, I realized, oh, yeah, probably it needs some male energy. Like, who do I pattern myself after? At the time in the 80s, all the uh, um, muscle movies were in Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone. And like I said, my brother was always bigger and stronger. He seemed to be able to sleep in and have a bowl of fruity pebbles and you would pump up and get buff and I would train my ass off 
doing all those things that Bruce told me to do. And I was still a skinny spaghetti guy. So, um, uh, yeah, so I, I needed that role model. Like, skinny guy can kick ass. I want to be that guy because I can't be Arnold. I, I tried. I'm still I'm in my late 20s, early 30s. I'm still trying to lift weights and <laughs> protein shake and eat. And I just, it was so lethargic and expensive and just, um, just not my genetics. So, again, that's part of embracing, yeah, but who am I? Who am I? I'm a hard gainer, so don't be the big guy. Be the smart, clever guy. Be the fast, agile guy. I think that you can. People, uh, would uh, trade metabolisms with you, sir. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, as you know, pros and cons to everything, right? So, uh, but I'm happy to have gotten this far. Thanks for asking. That's awesome. So, you started out in Taekwondo then when you were like 14, 13, 14 years old. And then, when did you transition over to Kung Fu? Um, well, eventually when I left LA after college, my wife and I, um, came out to Los Angeles when I was 23. And, um, that was when I knew I wanted to find something a little different. Taekwondo. I, I had a great experience in Taekwondo. I've said so publicly before. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a basher. Taekwondo changed my life when I was in Taekwondo. And, um, so I will always respect that system and that, that teacher and where I came from. Um, that said, I realized who I was becoming, I didn't feel the methodology was answering my particular needs. So when I came out to Los Angeles, of course, there were so many more choices. Um, and it was tempting because when I moved out to the West Coast, there were Taekwondo schools who would recognize the black belt. And I'm like, oh, you're a young guy. I earned that black belt. Oh, I'd really like to still be wearing a black belt. Um, but um, I also knew that that's not, it wasn't going to be my future. I couldn't. Couldn't keep it up that way. Um, it just wasn't for me. So I spent a year just taking a tour. Um, it takes that long to get through all the martial arts schools. No, I just went around everywhere. And uh, sometimes with binoculars through windows, sometimes stepping in, just uh, anything I could to kind of, well, what are you guys doing? Well, what are you guys doing? And just taking my time. And it took me about a year. Uh, but then, of course, the last one was the one I'm still with. Uh, I found a Kung Fu school that answered. I thought immediately, oh, that's it. That's what I was looking for. So, uh, and then I stayed with that lineage up until now and, uh, you know, branched off here and there and had side studies and, uh, and side dishes to the main course. But um, ultimately, I had to put it down. Kung Fu, I guess I would have to just say Kung Fu. But again, that's very limiting. And uh, the goal is always to be better as a person. And all of these styles are just tools to help you develop yourself as a person. So I don't like identifying as any of these because those are just parts of the story. Um, so it's like lifting weights versus running versus jumping rope versus they're all good for something. Um, none of them define you. <laughs> so Kung Fu, karate, Taekwondo, I, I don't really care. Just as long as you're training hard and honestly, then you'll be developing yourself as a person. That's what I care about. Yeah. Um, so there I can rant all day. I'm sorry. You know, I have a podcast, so I'm, I, I love talking. I'm so sorry. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I feel like we're kindred spirits in that a lot. So I can understand for sure. I mean, A3 black belts in any style is pretty a pretty significant uh, degree. It's very rare to see someone at that high of a rank say, you know what, I just like the martial arts. Uh, I don't, don't really care which one it is because usually as you start gaining ranks and you get to the very top of the pile, you kind of start getting a little bit more attached to your particular discipline. And it's a little different these days. We've become that, 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 statement has become a little more accepted, but I remember, you know, 25 years ago, there was just so much dogma and people were just, you know, karate guys would never, uh, never fight the Taekwondo guys because if we fought, we'd kill each other, you know, that kind of mindset, you know, but it's nice to see people are starting to understand, you know, what Bruce Lee was kind of getting at, at a time where it was really controversial to say a lot of the things that he said especially coming from Chinese um, society, which is so opposed to that kind of thinking. You know, it's, it's easy for us as Westerners. That's why we made so much progress in mixed martial arts over the last 30 years. But for, okay, I got, um, for him in Eastern society is, uh, is really a brave thing to do, really. I, you know, standing on your own is brave in any society. Right, standing up and saying, I like this, I don't like that. Here's what I am. But any context in human human groupings, that is a that's a bold step to take. Yeah, that clearly has inspired millions to do it. So it's a wonderful thing. 
It is totally brave in any society. That's also why I want to come back to you on that. You know, what makes you want to kind of distance yourself from your disciplines that you just, you kind of grew up in and kind of do your own thing? Um, distance, I, I would say, um, because the same message, I would want that same message to be carried on by anybody who can hear my voice or I would ever teach or train with. I just don't want people to, going back to Bruce Lee, it's going to be a whole Bruce Lee love fest. Um, you know, it's the difference between staring at the finger and not staring at the moon. It's the wrong thing to be focused on. And it's understandable in the beginning stages of training. Uh, I think a lot of people are just lost maybe uh, as a human being, not just as a martial artist. And so you look for those first signs of security to hold on to, something to grab onto. So you say, I am this style. I, that teacher is the greatest. This drill, I this is the best drill ever. Because that gives you some kind of foothold into the future. But then after a while, it's the canoe that gets you across the river. You can't carry that thing around with you because that wasn't the point of the canoe. The canoe got you across. Now continue your journey, please. Um, so in the same way, it's not that I want to distance it. because I respect it. So I don't mean to make that sound cold. But I would want anyone as soon as possible in their journey to accept that, that it's not about the style or the teacher. It's about what have you been doing? What are your experiences? How have you been changing? Where would you like to see yourself in three years or five years? Where, where are you headed? Those are the bigger questions that are far more interesting than any rank or style or label or school. That stuff will passes, or at least it should. I mean, I don't mean to take away from some people who really, some people have Bruce Lee tattoos on their arm and uh, name their first child Bruce and um, do all kinds of things to still emulate. Um, I just think that there are other steps that you can take uh, to be happier. I think ultimately in the purest sense of happiness, you can feel like you're happy for a long time saying, oh, look, I'm just like that guy. But at some point, life can put pressure on you where that won't be enough because you're not that guy and you're going to have to stand on your own whether you, whether you wanted to or not. And if you've already been practicing how to stand on your own, then it's not that big a deal. Win or lose, at least, hey, you went down as you. But to get that mask ripped off and then have to deal with the stress, that's that's... That could be overwhelming. I think then you'll have a catastrophic breakdown. Wow, that got deep and dark. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, okay, so, you know, kind of in researching you a little bit before this, I, I noticed that you had a karate school at one time. Is that true? Well, right, yeah. When I moved out to L.A. Or do you still have a physical school? No, no. COVID took care of that. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and I was in L.A. We had a good run out there for uh, 28 years. I was in L.A. and then... Uh, I found uh, Dawn Barnes Karate Kids. Uh, she had four locations at the time. And uh, I was hired on as a manager, chief instructor of one of the locations. And then um, ended up uh, helping run the joint. So um, hiring, firing, and inspiring. Um, along the way, uh, owned one of the facilities, co-owned one of the facilities. And um, once COVID hit, they all within a few months, uh, four out of the five, we had to vacate, break down. <laughs> Wow. clean out and um one one location is left shout out to all the survivors in sherman oaks california um that's still going but so the hundreds and hundreds of relationships were you know broken with staff and the families and uh, lineage there was broken I had a really great run there i still do zoom classes with the kids at this moment but um but yeah it was an opportunity in some ways you have to always put a positive spin on these things otherwise you'd go crazy it was an opportunity, again, to not reinvent myself, but to take the next step. I'd already been doing the website stuff for over eight years, and um, so I could talk to adults more than just kids. And this was God coming in saying, hey, look, man, <laughs> you're turning 50 during this lockdown. That's a good break. Let's, uh, let's start over here and really double down on who you are. You talk all this stuff about finding yourself and expressing yourself. And so why don't you just run on your own name now? Don't. You don't need partners. You don't need anything. What can you do on your own? So this is what I've taken as a challenge from the universe. So my wife and I moved back to the East Coast uh, where we were originally from. Mm -hmm. All of our family's out here. And uh, we picked Central Point in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And so uh, we are endeavoring to set up shop here. Um, so, yes. So that was a, I, I can't give short answers. I'm so sorry. No, no, I love it. So do you think that you will eventually start another brick and mortar school now that you're settled again? Or are you going to stick with the Absolutely. Office? I don't know. I mean, you have to, I think, um, whether that's someone else's brick and mortar that you're subleasing or it's a community center, 
you have to have your own group of people to train with. Otherwise, what are you doing? How are you? What, what are you doing? I, I can't just sit here at home making up stuff. Going, yeah, that sounds like something good to teach. So you have to have your own group. Um, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm taking classes with other groups and that's cool. But uh, again, to exercise the stuff that I want to do and I believe in and I want to develop, um, you have to be selfish in finding your own group and say, okay, here's what I say we're doing today. When I go to your school, we'll do what you want, but here we're going to do what I want. Um, and then that's a nice balance of training time. If you can hold it off. Really nice balance. I think like very few martial arts instructors do this, but having one foot in your gym and, and, and then your, another foot in another gym leads to so much ability to have a, a, a font of new ideas coming in and then a body to test and master those techniques. Cause you really don't know something until you have taught it to somebody else. And in teaching it, you can kind of put your own spin on it and develop it a little bit further. So I, I've always felt that that was so important. Uh, to yes, sir. It's that old saying of uh, everybody's techniques work in their own school. <laughs> and so I've always taken that to heart. It's like I, when I, if I go to a Sistema class, I'm trying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu stuff. If I go to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, I'm trying Kung Fu stuff. If I go to a you know, because that's the only way that you can slip things in without them knowing what you're doing. Oh, that was a drill. Yeah, we all learned the same thing. That's the only way you can really get an honest uh, appraisal of what have I been working on. So, and I love having like my little list of secret projects. Like, okay, I'm going to work on, you know, whatever it is. There's a million things. <laughs> uh, and then just universally going out everywhere saying, let me see what happens if I adjust my hip this way when I'm grappling, when I'm striking, when I'm whatever. Um, it's, it's endless, you know, it's, it's addictive and fascinating, but yes, you got to get outside your own dojo or work with other people. Um, it's just, it only makes you a better student and therefore a better teacher. Now you can see more, you're aware of more. Um, yeah, I get excited. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry to hear about your school, um, your brick and mortar school out there, um, going under. I mean, I know a lot of my friends have really been struggling i mean it was not easy for us either I, I, i've heard some crazy statistics like 60 percent of the schools under 100 students went under permanently um so you know my heart goes out to you do you have any um like you know good memories funny stories experiences that you can um you, you, you i mean i'm sure you have many uh that come to mind of that time working at that school um, before you kind of went to your virtual uh, teaching? Oh, uh, well, yeah. Every day has some insight if you're looking for them. And, uh, you know, funny stories is for other people to judge. But I do know that one, one interesting thing about working with children, if you, you know, you teach with kids too, is um, it's really interesting how, especially as you get older, it's a challenge to your honesty because it would be really easy to say, Oh yeah, I mean they're just kids. I can I can take every one of them, and on some level that's right because they're you're three times their weight, perhaps five year olds or eight year olds. So yeah, you could be king of the mountain around there. And so what I found amusing was that at some point though, um, as I got older, I had to actually start admitting like this teenage girl is way faster than I, am. or this six year old boy is way braver than I am, mm. and just. You could go down the line, and it's just so easy, I think, for adults to look at kids' classes like, oh, you're babysitting or whatever, and I've heard it all. <laughs> no, you're not. If Then you're a crappy teacher. If you see that as babysitting, well, then, oh, then why are you a teacher? Why don't you go be a babysitter? Put that up on your side. Um, but if you're actually in the game of teaching and you're also in the game of learning, um, I was amazed at how much I learned from the kids mm -hmm. and how much they challenged me. And when if I'm sparring with a five-year-old, I actually am learning things, even though they're a five-year-old. And it, from anybody watching outside, like, oh, isn't that cute? He's being nice with the little kids. Isn't he great? It's like, no, no, no. In my way, I'm fighting for my life over here. Because maybe I'm imagining one of the, this will be either funny slash crazy or great. I would always imagine, no matter who the kid is, I don't care how big they are, what their level is, what their deal is. I always imagine that they're holding knives in both hands. And that changes the entire dynamic. Well, wait a minute. If that kid can touch me at all, that could be a cut wrist. That could be a cut anything. I don't know. You can't even reach up here from femoral artery, something. So right off the bat, that whole exercise changes. Like, well, wait a minute. I got to respect the distance a little bit more. I can't just come around and just push right. No, no, you could be stabbing me in the gut. So anyway, I think 
it was really instructive learning kids. I didn't, I'm teaching kids. I didn't, learning from kids and teaching, Freudian slip. Um, I was amazed at how much I actually learned from the kids and still will. I'll learn from anybody. So uh, I'm, I'm totally against the uh, hierarchical hierarchy thinking. Like, well, you're the master and you're the teacher and you're the senpai and you're this little guy and you're a kid. It's like, mm, no, we can all teach each other. We all learn from each other. You just got to be honest. That's the trick. And when I started having those revelations, like, wow, this kid is more resilient than I am. That kid's more creative than I am. That kid's more, you just start seeing the positives in everybody. And then if I can get my filters out of the way, my own biases out of the way, I'll learn from everybody. Like, look at the control and look at that gentleman sitting behind you there. Is that Jesse himself? Yes. Yes, sir. I mean, your stoicism, your, your self-control, I'm, every time I glance at the screen, I'm like, yeah, I, I should sit up a little straighter and I should be a little calmer. And I should be a little more focused. I'm, I'm way off track here. So I'm learning from everybody. <laughs> no, it, it's so funny. I, you know, I, I was a kid growing up in the martial arts. I started when I was five years old. And when I started, I was very serious. Like I wanted to be Bruce Lee and I was never talked in class. And I would hold that front stance until my legs were shaking, you know, even when the master wasn't looking at me. And I remember when I got a little older, they started doing like Century started doing like little dragons programs and stuff with the cartoons and whatnot. And I was just like, that's not what I wanted. You know, that's not what I wanted when I was a kid. Like I was serious, you know, and that's kind of like insulting. I felt I, I would have been insulted by that as a kid. Like what? And I've always felt because I was a kid and I grew up through the martial arts and I was very serious about it. That there really is not that big of a difference between kids and adults it's it's more when you start treating a kid like a kid he will he will act like a kid when you start treating a kid like an adult he'll act like an adult and uh, you can I, I found that you know in the differences between cultures you know I spent a lot a uh, long time living in Korea and in Korea when you become an adult you have so much more responsibility a lot of times you have to take over all the finances for your family and because of that you have people who are living at home till they're like in their mid-30s and, but then when they have the home, then their family lives with them. And it's a humongous responsibility transition. But I remember I went to uh, school to learn Korean and I'd be sitting there, you know, with like 25 year olds in class and they'd be telling like fart jokes and stuff. And in, in a way that was just very immature from my perspective at, at a similar mm -hmm. age. And so uh, it's kind of like how you are treated, I feel like can really determine how you actually act. And so I've always, you know, I'm like, when I talk to my kids in my school, I'm like, are you, you know, how do you want to be treated? You know, do you want to be treated like a kid or an adult? Because you can achieve these ranks if you act like an adult, if you push yourself like an adult. And some of the best martial artists I've ever seen are kids. You know, we have this, uh, I don't know if you know about the um, Korean Tigers, but they have a version they're a demonstration team and a really top tag on the demonstration team and they have a kids version called uh the little tigers and they came to america and were touring around america and because my master was one of the people to bring them in um he asked all the parents who you want to have any of these kids live with you for a little while and, and two of them lived with us and they were just i mean <laughs> you know they were fantastic i mean they were like just flipping all over the place. I mean, they train like eight hours a day, six days a week. You see like those martial monks, you know, those little kids that are like, you know, this tall and they're just, wow, you know? So it's really, it's just a mindset. And when you learn that mindset, you become a great martial artist. And, uh, and besides you're talking about kids creativity, you know, yeah. When, when I'm learning from those kids all the time, when I'm sparring, I'm like, when they do like a, a forward roll across the floor or like a cartwheel, yes. I'm like, I never thought to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, again, I mean, I don't go, I'm sure you don't either, going to the other extreme, they are developmentally different ages, ready for different things. But having a standard of performance or respect um, I don't think it's ever too early to start implementing that. It's, it's kind of in that model of just tough love. Mm -hmm. You, some instructors might go way too far and though I'm tough on them because their life is tough and they're ready to be treated like an adult. Like, well, that's too much. And over here, it's like, oh, that was just fun. Let's just have games and dodgeball and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, that's too much on the love side. You've got to find that perfect yin-yang balance, yeah, of saying, yeah. 
hey guys, I, I am a friendly teacher, but I am your teacher. I'm not your friend. I am your teacher. And, um, and I've heard you also comment on uh, like using the title master. And that in some circles might be like, what? Where do you get the, <laughs> how do you call yourself? But it's about setting a mindset from the beginning. Like this is an achievement and this is something you can shoot for. And here are the steps that you take to get to this type of achievement. And titles are part of that. And the, the, the tone that that sets and the mindset that it already starts channeling into uh, ranking and steps and expectations and curriculum. It's like, oh, it all starts to make sense. There's an order to things. And I think as a child, especially, but certainly to adults too, as I said, there's chaos. And kids actually want the structure. They want the steps. They want to know what the boundaries are. Because otherwise, if life is... We, even as adults, oh my God, COVID, everything's, even life can seem like chaotic all the time. So we all want a sense of order too. And we play outside those lines as much as you want to. But for kids developmentally, especially, it's got to be tough. Love. There have to be boundaries and expectations. Otherwise, what kind of adult is that going to be? <laughs> An adult with no boundaries and no performance standards and no respect and no what? That's a terrible mindset to put a child out into the world and they're just going to hurt themselves if not others. So yeah. I'll get off my soapbox. So it's so funny because, yeah, I mean, if I just made that one statement that I made about, you know, kids being able to be as tough as adults, it might come across the wrong way. But I will also say, and just kind of agreeing with what you're saying is, adults are also kids too, more than they realize. You know, I feel like we get really good at like disguising our fear and all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, we are kids just like anyone else. And I think being a good teacher, we can recognize that because like I get a lot of adults that will come in and they'll say like, you know, I don't need rank. I, you know, I don't need that little carrot to be dragged in front of me. Like I can just do this on my own, but no, they need that because when I take that away from them, they just drop out, you know, <laughs> they actually need those things they think they don't need, or I don't need you to go easy on me, just push, push, push. And then like they get broken, like, and they're like, I want to go home. So you need everything those kids need too. But I just think the line between a kid's and adult mind is a lot smaller than we give it credit for. You know, it's that's a, such a great point, Master. Rose, that is a wonderful point. Absolutely, there's wisdom in children, and there is playfulness in adults. Mm -hmm. And you are just not a completely powerful person. I equate it with power. Power. Let me back up. Power to me means you have choices, you have options. If you have a lot of money, that means you have spending power. I can buy any car I want, eat in any restaurant I want. I have power. You have no money. I can't eat there. I can't buy that thing. So there's also, I would then say, behavioral power. Some guy comes up to you in a parking lot, smacks you in the face. Yes, you could say, well, I won't take that. I'm going to stand up and punch him, take him down, ground and pound, whatever, and say, there, I'm powerful. Um, someone else might say, well, I would be able to turn the other cheek, take a breath, calm down, and get away from that. I want both. I want the ability to destroy him and I want the ability to make friends with him and I want the ability just to avoid him, escape him. And if I'm uh, confident in myself as a human being, then I should be comfortable with any one of those. I don't go home and feel ashamed because I didn't fight or ashamed because I did fight. Um, you can get hung up on either end of the behavioral spectrum saying, oh, it's too much, I shouldn't, or I shoulda, no. So whether you're an adult who needs to rekindle their childish, childish, type appetites or whether you're a child who needs to grow up a little bit and reach higher got to meet again in that that yin yang i got what do i got water and fire i'm always trying to remind myself of that balance or the yin yang on my little logo the black and the white and two sides there's two faces is the idea you have to to me ultimately that's the measure the measurement of your success as a martial artist and then slash human being um yeah. is the balance that i have a power of choice which then makes me unpredictable um, so strategically, that's also great. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, he's the guy who's really good at kicks. I guess what he's going to do, we're going to start sparring, he's going to try to kick me. Now you're vulnerable because people already expect something from you. Mm -hmm. But if I'm free, really free with my body, free with my choices, free with my creativity, I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. So therefore you can't possibly know what I'm going to do. And therefore I'm dangerous <laughs> if we're in that context, or I'm going to be incredibly uh, beneficent. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Is that a word? I'm gonna be incredibly generous in ways you didn't expect, or creative in ways you don't expect, and make a great relationship. Keep it interesting and different. It's a. It's a challenge. Whether you get into a rut as a te technician or you get into a rut as a human being, I want to avoid that. I always want to keep looking over the wall 
working with different people like we've already talked about or trying a different style. My intention is not to be great at this. I just want to see what happens to me when I'm here. Take a sushi making class. Take a, a knitting class. Why? You want to be good at knitting? No. I just want to see what happens to me when I go through this process of sitting with people who do this really well. And you try to teach me this. I want to know what happens. Do I become flustered? Do I say, oh, this is stupid? Do I give up? Do I actually get addicted to it and find uh, something to gain out of this fine motor control? <laughs> to me, it's just, it's, yeah, how could you not do that? What do you do? Get out there, try everything, see what happens to you when you do it. So I think that kind of, you were kind of touching on your logo a little bit, and that can take us into our, my thing I want to talk about next, which is the development of your YouTube channel. How is that experience? What is uh, happy life martial arts mean to you? And what were you trying to achieve with your logo? And you know, just, just tell us about that. Thanks track. for asking. No one's ever asked that. Of course, I really appreciate that question. It took me months. To come up with it. It's a nice looking. <laughs> Thanks. I'm still working on it. But um, well, the idea. The idea was. I don't know if that's reversed on your camera or not. I think it's okay. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, the main idea was uh, that we have two faces. We have two sides. Um, our dark side, like if you like, and our bright side. And again, I believe you should be working to have both, mm -hmm. so you can use the appropriate tool at the appropriate time. That's it. So there, that's the suggestion of the yin and the yang and the two sides of any person. Um, the black eye, of course, represents that it is martial arts and you're going to take a beating in life sometimes. It's subtle, but it's there. Uh, things don't always go your way. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to get bruised. You're, that's just the way it is. Nobody escapes. Nobody. So it's about fighting, though, because you're still smiling. I take that beating, but I keep coming back with a smile because that's my main weapon. That's my shield. That's my sword. I'm going to keep coming back to a place where I can build a happy life, fight for that. Um, because again, to me, that's the measure of everything. You're up here. And if you're dysfunctional, you're upset, you're addicted to the wrong things, something's wrong down here. You needed a different modality, a different tool to get you up to this. Mm -hmm. So go back down, dip back down a level. Maybe Taekwondo has made you an egomaniac. I only care about competitions. If I didn't win, then the world's not fair. And that judges against me. And that's bringing out the worst of you. Maybe you shouldn't be competing right now. Maybe you should go over here to some more cooperative art or something where they don't compete at all or whatever that is and, and try this path or you know what maybe martial arts just brings out the worst of you because you cannot get over your own com competitiveness and you can't find partners who humble you enough and beat you enough so you just need to go try knitting try anything else to bring out other qualities in you it may not be martial arts but then maybe when you work out that issue come back to martial arts mm -hmm. and you have a different attitude and then or maybe it'll take an injury to make that happen maybe it'll take Something horrible to happen to you. At first, it seems horrible, but it actually changes your mentality to come back. Talked to someone the other day who had that issue. He said when he was younger, he just wanted to get into fights and understood violence and wanted to be the alpha male guy. And then over time, felt so confident that he could let that go and now just trains for joy mm. because they reached that place where they felt, I am confident. And it doesn't matter if I win or lose anymore. I get it. I've mm. seen what my top is. And now I can let that go, that, that, that worry that I'm not tough enough or big enough. Or, I said, I don't care anymore. I just train because it's fun. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing, right? That's, to me, that's the measure. You found joy. He, he used the word joy. I'm thinking happy. So to me, it's an easy, again, like, like working with kids, it's easy to disregard, oh, happy, like what's happy? So no, but seriously, like, let me look into your soul. Are you happy? <laughs> that's pretty intimidating <laughs> question to ask there. <laughs> right, right. It's a, I, I have to ask myself too, because uh, I'm not. Typically, you know, there's the, this is the this is the work. This is the practice. You practice kata. You can practice sparring. You got to practice this emotion, this state of being where I am enough, and I've got tools, and I've got a purpose, and I'm going to get up today. I'm going to work at it, and there's going to be obstacles. I'm going to take some hits, but I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to be happy about it because I found a purpose. I found something, and what a, what a wonderful world it is when you have you feel you have skills and you have purpose to apply those skills into and you've got the time and the freedom and the space to actually keep pushing forward which is why covid was so uh, challenging because when you get your purpose taken away like oh your school is gone your students are gone you can't even go train with anybody you have to stay home now um and in la I, i've talked about we had fires too during that period so couldn't go to the park couldn't go to the schools couldn't go outside smoke so my wife and i were just stuck indoors <laughs> 
And um, that really became like, well, here's your fight for happy life. All right, this is it. This is about as extreme as it gets. Oh, and you have aging injuries, you know, on my back, herniated discs. I'm like, got to go see a doctor even with COVID. My feet are messed up. What, what am I doing? So it really just seems like God is just winning you down to a coffin. This is it. Everything's being taken away now, and now you're nothing. So to face that and be able to go, okay, can I still breathe? Can I still find purpose? Do I still have skills? Can I still get up and find something to fight? Yes. And it was not terrible, you know, even though, oh, sorry, I lost the school, I think, and um, nobody in my family died, and I'm still alive, and I was very creative. I did a lot of development internally during that period of time, and I'm very excited about what I'm going to be building out here. So, you know, it's just, uh, there's always good out there. You just keep fighting for it, um, and I'm trying my best, and hopefully a YouTube channel, I think you asked about that about three hours ago, uh, <laughs> hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully, by the idea of the YouTube channel was simply that I got to an age, I was 42 when I started, um, I just felt that I'd been selfish in having these really great teachers and really cool training partners, having really great breakthroughs for myself, and realizing I don't have any children, realizing, yeah, students live are nice, but we have this platform, if I could just share some of my stories or some of these things that have helped me, maybe someone else will care too, and um it was kind of a slow start, but then I'm glad I stuck with it because then more and more people started liking it and finding a connection to it, which I was totally shocked by and surprised by. But um, how was the experience then? I would say it's been the greatest experience of my life awesome. because I had no idea how many nice people there were out there. I was very cynical and kind of closed off and over people. Especially and um, my wife, me, and that's it. <laughs> 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 yeah, but YouTube, um, where I was expecting hate, I mean, I avoided two, for two years. I didn't make any videos. I was just doing a podcast so no one could see me yeah. and uh, I could just write articles. I didn't want to. And then I thought, ah, that wasn't going so well. And I started making the videos. And what I found out was it's not even about the, the content. It's not even, like, oh, here's how to make a, do a punch. It's like, there's a million videos for that. What I've gotten the most surprise out of is how many people just say, I like listening to your voice. Mm -hmm. No one's ever said that to me before. Or someone just says, I just like your vibe. I don't even do martial arts, but I like watching your videos. And that opened up a whole other aspect to how important all of us are it's with the people that we're with. It's You are always a role model. Whether you own it or you don't, whether you're aware of it or not, you are a role model. So even if you're standing in line with a bunch of strangers, if I see some, uh, looks like she does yoga or she's a gymnast or dancer, she's got a really good posture. I look at that and she doesn't know I'm looking. I just go, man, I'm going to stand up a little straighter right there. Take a bigger breath. There, that feels better. She's made my day better. She has no idea. And it'd be creepy if I went over and told her that. But you are doing the same thing every moment. Every, you bend over to pick up a piece of trash that someone else put down just because you felt like it. Somebody saw it, probably. And someone went, well, that's cool. And now they've got an idea in their head, like, it's cool to pick up other people's trash. And in that way, you're just constantly changing people's lives for the better if you're doing positive things. So making the videos and coming on to talk to you guys, meet you fellas, or hopefully maybe one day even visit your school. It's all just hopefully nice people bouncing off of other nice people so that we all feel motivated to keep being nice people. So that in that way, we have our ripple effect in ways that we can't even imagine. When I put up these videos, I never know what's going to happen. And I mean, regularly I get emails almost every day from, hi, I'm a 12-year-old girl in Vietnam and your video was so helpful to me today. Mm -hmm. And you just think, what the hell? I, there was no way you would have told me that that could ever have happened mm -hmm. when I started making videos. I, I had no idea. Now that I feel that power of it or that, that, that reach, I, I, I don't know how to stop because you're like, well, I want to be the guy, one of the guys out there who can hopefully send out a positive ripple of something. Even if it is just my voice or my face, I'm just saying, hi, you know, you don't have to always be miserable in your life. There is a way to be happy or work at being happy. Here are some tools that have helped me. Maybe they'll help you. If you don't like it, that's fine. But I'm just sharing. And just that act alone of trying to share, trying to help, um, help might sound a little self-aggrandizing, but just sharing. Just go back and just, just share what you got. And YouTube makes it so easy. I don't have to, you click on the video, I don't make you. So I'm, I love this idea that I'm here if you want to meet me halfway. If you want to meet, come up. 
If you don't, well, that's fine. Yeah. Live your life. Um, so yeah, YouTube has been an incredible experience. Uh, and um, I don't know if I recommend it for everybody, but I'm glad you're on board. Awesome. We're, try we're trying. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, it's funny. It's when I'm listening to you talk, you're talking about these people, how it's not even about the technique. They're, they're just connecting with you personally. It's almost like they are discovering what you mean by happy life martial arts and the whole goal of your martial arts training being to ha live and be happy. And yeah. um, I, I agree with that completely. I, I think a lot of young martial artists, when they first get into the martial arts, there's usually... They want to learn how to defend themselves. Then maybe they want to get in shape. Maybe they want to go and compete and you know win some some glory for themselves, perhaps. But I think at the end of the day, what all martial artists kind of figure out is that it's the it's the leadership life skills, the moral endeavor, the warrior ethos that is the most important thing to take away from the martial arts. That's what you're going to use every single day. You may have to use the self defense skills once or twice in your life if you're unlucky but you're going to use those skills every single day and that's going to improve your, your life. And I think that's what these people are picking up on when they tune into your channel. They're picking up on that happy life. Amen. I hope so. In the same way that I mean, you referenced Bruce Lee uh, as an inspiration early on and, and I already went on about it, but it, again, I wasn't impressed by his technique. Mm. I was impressed by who he seemed to be. Mm -hmm. This confidence, this personality, this character. And I want, I, I recognize that that's a, a healthy character. I want to be like that character. And how do you, how do you get that? And so then you begin this process of, in this case, martial arts, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing that people, that, that was the big surprise that how many people still want that or need that or want to hear it from this face. You and I can make the exact same video saying the exact same thing with the exact same words. And some people will hate my video and love your video and vice versa. And I don't judge that one way or the other because I liked, I was inspired by Bruce Lee. Someone else saw the same movie, went, this guy's an idiot. Who cares about this guy? He's, he's a fraud. He's a movie star. Who cares? Totally different reactions, but it's what you're ready to hear and what you want to hear and what the, who the vessel is. So, you don't have to, my, my even just advice for YouTube tips, it's, you don't have to be, oh, I've got this brand new tip that no one's ever heard of, the how to get out of a guillotine, has nothing to do with that. Somebody out there needs to hear that tip from you because they don't trust that other guy. They don't like that other guy. They don't feel connection with that other person. But for whatever reason, I don't even have to understand it. They like your face. They like your voice. They like your vibe. And now you have the ability to share something with them. The chance that's open, the portal is open. Now you can step through and connect. And I'm just amazed by how it works and how many people um, have been so kind to me to want to connect with me. Mm -hmm. I, I've just been, because before I swear to God, <laughs> send out like two Christmas cards, like my mother and my grandmother when she was alive, that's it. And my wife and I just keep, keep a low profile, just didn't, didn't mix. And uh, since this has happened, I just cannot believe how many friends I've made how many wonderful conversations I've had, how many opportunities I've had to visit here and go teach there. And I, I still, I mean, I, I just get a, a little worked up if I think about it too much because it's just, it's a totally different world. Mm -hmm. But it all starts with sharing who you are. And all the good things that are happening to me in my life is getting happier even throughout COVID simply because I'm finding it more confidence to keep sharing more of me and let it be uh, offered, not forced on me. And I would just recommend that to anybody else because if you share of your from your heart, I get worked up. If you share from your heart, you, it's a surprising amount of people who will see it, recognize it, and come to you as well. You don't have to chase people. You say, oh, come to my school, come to my school, come to my school. If your current students and families have not been touched in their heart enough to tell other people about you, like, you should really come here. This person does amazing work with my child or amazing work for me. It's always going to be referrals as if you're running a good business, in my opinion, whether it's a school or a taco shop or whatever, word of mouth is always going to be your number one. You can't spend a million dollars on Facebook ads and blah, blah. These are marketing gimmicks. That's sizzle, not the steak, all that stuff. But this is all, every business to me is a heart to heart business, a person to person business, soul to soul business. And if you're making a difference in people's lives, they will want to share that gift with other people. They're like, oh my God, I, 
you've given me something so valuable. I need to give this to my mother. I need to give this to my friend. Because now I can be the hero in their life that I helped put you two together. And I think that's that's one way to measure, you know, one way to measure your effectiveness is people are talking about you to other people. That's a great measure. You were talking a little bit of how when you're starting your YouTube channel, you felt like you were starting to like connect with a lot of people all over the country. One thing that I found in just since COVID hit, but even before that, since the advent of Facebook and the internet and YouTube and stuff like that is martial artists are getting, it's just so much easier to meet other experienced martial artists and get to know them and network with them and cross train and develop. Like back in the day, we were also like cloistered away and like, you know, getting to another head instructor would be such a weird, difficult experience where maybe you'd end up at the same tournament and you'd be coaching one of your, your students and he'd be coaching one of his and you would, you know, say, hey, your, your, your student was great out there. But then taking that like little kernel of an interaction and blowing it up would be so difficult without something like Facebook where you can connect and you can see what he's doing at his school and you can give him some thumbs up and slowly he realizes that you're a nice guy and that you guys have, you know, shared, you know, thoughts and, and visions for the martial arts. And I feel like it's really kind of shrunk the world of the martial arts in a lot of way in a good way. I mean, certainly, you know, it like everything on the internet, there's a lot of caustic behavior and stuff like that, especially in the corners. But, um, you know, in general, I think it's been, it's been a good thing. I, I totally agree 100%. Yeah, we are both of an age where it was so hard to know what was going on in other schools, especially if you're younger and you don't have a car or whatever or any money in your pocket. You would, I would hear it when I was doing Taekwondo. I would hear about that Kung Fu school across town. And, but I, don't, I have no idea what they're doing, what that style is or what they, how do they spar. It was just a mystery um, and not convenient to go find out or not, maybe you don't feel safe even to go find out. Nowadays, literally, name a style, name a teacher, boom, you can pretty much find something either of that person themselves or one of their senior students or somebody's got some iteration out there that you can start filling in blanks really, really fast. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a treasure. Just to see some of the grandmasters that, um, that uh, right now, the things that I'm studying, when people reference them, you all are part of this lineage, be able to go back and find even just a clip of a black and white clip of a, you know, Funakoshi, let's say, doing Naihanshi, because that, that clip's floating around. Just to see it for a second, like, did he move? Could he move at all? Let me just go frame by frame. What is he really doing? What's his deal? Um, it answers so many questions it just immediately, because the picture is worth a thousand words. And uh, legends are who knows what the heck those are. So, yeah, I mean, uh, to even say, you know, what's his name? There's so many. Um, uh, General, General Choi. Or someone to see still seminar footage from Toronto or something to see him explaining sine wave. That is so much more valuable than just having, a, even if you have a wonderful teacher and you love your teacher and they're telling you about sine wave, if that's your thing. Um, to hear the general talk about it, you go, okay, hang on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let me make my coffee here. I'm going to watch this about 10 times, take some notes here. Let me just really get into what he's saying. Um, or, or Aikido's founder. I mean, there's so much footage of him. Amazing, just amazing. And the Gracies, you know, developing an art basically all in the era of film and video where you can study right from the earliest matches in Brazil all the way up to what's going on today. They have that kind of documentation of how an art is changing and developing. And yeah, it, it, to be alive right now as a martial artist or anything probably, um, it can be overwhelming. That's the other side of that, you know, too much. You can sit on YouTube for every day of your life and still not get any better at martial arts. So you got to pick your moments when you make a little inquiry and go down a wormhole and go, wait, what's this capoeira everyone's talking about? Let me go take a look. Maybe spend a couple hours trying to do some research on it and go, I see. Okay, at least I know what they're talking about. And now let me see how that relates to what I'm doing. I don't know. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But yeah, I totally agree. Um, and again, to be a part of that web, the world has shrunk uh, for sure. And maybe now it's 60% of schools under 100 people have closed. Maybe that means more people can train together. Like, hey, you lost your school, I lost my school. Maybe it's better if we sign a lease together. Let's meet up together. Or can I sublease? That's what I was hoping. I was like, there should be so many people now subleasing from regular school owners. If you were able to still pay your rent, but you lost students, 
That means you're still looking for some money. So maybe you're more open to subleasing to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy three nights a week. And you're this Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy who lost his school. I still got like 30 or 40 students. I'd like to train at your place. Can I? Now I'm in your school three days a week. I would love to think that all of these people who are kind of pushed out into the cold are finding warmth by cross-training, cross-sharing, and coming together that way. I think that would be the greatest ramification for martial arts so we can all kind of play with each other, see what's going on. And, um, and realize that we have way more in common than we have that separates us. It's like you say, in the corners, people, caustic behavior and criticisms and McDojo this, McDojo that. It's like all that really kind of goes away when you work out with each other. Yeah. Once you go, oh, Okinawan versus Korean versus Chinese. And yeah, but just go, let's just touch each other. Let's play a little bit. Let's see what's going on. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's cool. That's it. And <laughs> the world becomes a happier place. That's all. It, it would be very interesting having grown fully up in this generation. Like, I don't know how that would affect me. I think it's really nice to have had like one foot in the past and one foot in the present. I will say that I've been hearing like maybe starting like 10 years ago, people were saying, oh, you know, you got to get on YouTube. You got to start looking at the videos because there's just like so much out there and it's really helping me solve things. It's like changing how we learn and develop as martial arts. People were telling me this, like people in you know, the high level martial arts community. And I was like, okay, okay. But like, I'm not really, I wasn't really into it at the time, you know, and I was just kind of doing my own thing. And then a couple of years ago, I, I sort of started watching some videos. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, it's like, it's like, a, there's just so much information out here that you can grab so easily. Like, something that would have taken like my master like 30 years to develop like one little trick or something like that um which is like so amazing you can find like 500 of those in two seconds you know yeah. it's like i i almost feel like young the younger generations get a little spoiled on that stuff though because there's one problem we have in mass in the martial arts is that people don't understand like tacit knowledge and how you can know something you can know what an arm bar is you, but you can not ever get an arm bar off and like like literally do everything wrong possible because you don't really know it. You don't really know it. To really know something, you have to do it thousands of times and really get into your body so it's automatic. It's like a, a, a knowledge level that's so much deeper. And, I, and one thing that I do worry with the just the ubiquitous amount of information out there is that people are just, they think they know something, they come in, they like, you tell it to them once, and like, yeah, I know it. No, no, you don't know it. Try it again, do it again, another couple hundred times. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, that's that's the overwhelm of it. There, it's just, it's like you're, uh, in our age, older, when I was a kid, you, if you went to a seminar, if I could get to a seminar, you know, twice a year, and you had to drive there, and you had to pay money, and maybe there was a hotel involved or whatever, and you'd go to the seminar, and sometimes they suck, but you're hoping you could at least come away with one idea that might affect your training for the rest of your life. That was all a huge investment to do all that. And now, like you just said, you get 500 gold nuggets dropped into your lap at the same time, and that, that can crush you because it is too much. And if you don't have that value, that, the, the good part about the old days was when you did get that one gold nugget, you happen to run into a certain master in the parking lot and he said something that really made you think twice. And now that's all you have to think about for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> that will change your life. But when you hear 10 masters in a row, can you tell you 10 incredible things? You don't remember any of them. You just go to bed or you just go back to your training. You're like, I don't remember because it, it, it's not even possible. To so um, it's absolutely important. That's where the old school work ethic is never it's not old school. That's a continuum. Like you said, I mean, it's just the way human beings are. There's knowing, and then there's knowing, and yeah. then there's knowing. Yeah. And um, there's no replacement for it. There's just zero replacement for, for practice. And in some ways, I mean, I think human nature is always the same. That's always my, my bias coming into any conversation about anything. I believe humans are always the same, always and everywhere. So in the old days, Great. Okay. So you have 50 people in a Taekwondo room and they're all working out, but are they really, you might have, you know, there's a, always like the small percentage of students who are really in it to win it. They listen, they take notes, they train at home, they come back hungry with questions. They're on it. And then you've got the ones over there who probably won't even be here next week. So that's over there. And then the bell curve in the middle, 
depending on their life situation, how much time or money or enthusiasm they have or injuries or they're kind of in there, they're kind of not. One foot's out the door all the time. They're just, you know, they're nice people. And they're, I always say, a little martial arts is going to make your life a whole lot better. So I'd rather that you train than not training. But I think the percentage of people who are actually in it to win it, want to be like lineage holders, who want to be that guy who can say, I'm going to share this and be the best I can be at this. I think it's always been small. So even though, um, yeah, this new generation has tons of information, there's still that small percentage who understands how to work, how to train, how to modulate their time between videos. Maybe they don't even watch videos. They still just come to school and just train every day and they're getting better and they're earning their stuff. And then you have all the other people who are chasing bubbles and, oh, new shiny toys and there's a new trend and I'm going to go do this. And But that's just human nature. They, they, they were always going to be lost no matter what the technology was because in their core, they're not willing to just do the hard work that, again, develops you as a person, changes you as a person, you got to be really brave to do that and let things go so you can gain something different. Um, I think that percentage of people were willing to let go and feel secure enough to be somebody different and to lose and to be hum uh, humbled. I think that's always been a small percentage. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I would agree. Well, Jesse, you've been kind of quiet. Do you have any questions for? I have just been really enjoying this conversation and you know, observing from the background, being able to just listen to you both talk has been wonderful. Um, in terms Can you speak of, for your generation, Jesse, did we just doom your generation? <laughs> no, no, not doomed. I am definitely of the age group. So I'm 22 right now, I'll be 23 next month. And so, so I'm sorry. the age group where, you know, I don't have a foot in the past, right? So I've grown up with being able to look things up and, you know, it, it's true, you know, the, the conversation that you just had is the truth, because I will go out and I'll try to look for something, and I, for a long time in my life, it wasn't just on YouTube, but just, you know, you go to the grocery store, you go out into the world, and there's so much noise, there's just so much, like, look at me, look at me, look at this, mm -hmm. and, you know, coming out of high school, entering adulthood, I had to really learn how to navigate that, because we're pushed to go for more, right? Get as much information and experience as you can. And I had to realize that if I take everything in, like you said, the 50, 500, you know, gold nuggets in your lap, it's going to crush me. So um, maybe not so much questions, but just appreciation of the conversation um, that was had. And, and speaking from my generation, you know, I, I hear it and I hear the truth in it and I hear the wisdom in it, and I really am grateful for it. So... Very kind, Jesse. And I would say, if I can just go back to one thing you said, that when you say you don't have a foot in the past, of course, historically, yeah, you can't grow up in the 70s or the 80s like maybe we did, but you do have a foot in your past, right? And even just your haircut's different from the website, Victor, you should update those things. <laughs> uh, just already, I, I had no idea that you were 21, 22. I, seemed, I thought you were older. Your spirit seemed older to me. And um, certainly your professionalism and emails and all the things setting this up, uh, you're, you're a very impressive young man. Um, but I would think that even your foot in your own past to when you were, well, even last year, probably five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, you can already chart quite a story uh, without even going to personal details about you. I don't know, but I, I will bet that your development as a human being, which is the top goal, I always, I'm sure as a Taekwondo artist, you are far different. You could talk about that very clearly. And maybe it'll take a little more time or just got to sit down and say, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I used to be this kind of guy and now I'm not. Or I used to have a problem with this. And now I don't. And now I found this new ability that I didn't know I had. So um, I would still say, yeah, reflecting on your past, your history is still really a rich way to spend some of your time. And, and sometimes we lose sight of it because you are thinking about the next thing, the next rank. I want to be a teacher. I want to be the best teacher. I want to learn these new forms or I want to go dabble in that other art. And you're so future focused that you can feel like, ah, I'm not enough now and I didn't do much and I, I'm not doing enough. And looking back, keeping that foot in the past, recognize I do have a foot in the past, my past, and look how far I have come. And I think that will always give you that, ah, a little bit of a calm and a little bit of a secure footing to then launch into the future much, much stronger. Because I can already tell that you're not the same guy that when you started, I can tell. Mm. <laughs> and good for you. And Congratulations to Master Olds for helping. If he's part of that journey, then that's a wonderful team you got there. 
Well, thank you so much. I feel like that's a good note to end on. A little wisdom <laughs> from Sensei Ando. It's been a <laughs> having you with us. I feel like we've we've gone through some really interesting topics, and it's great to get your opinion on some stuff. And you know, maybe we'll have to have you back in the future to talk on something in specific. But I wish you the best of luck with you know Happy Life Martial Arts, and definitely gonna be checking out your videos. And you did us a big honor by coming on our show and. Um, really appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's completely my pleasure. No, I thank you. And I do hope to get out to Texas. I need some brisket. I get fixes for brisket sometimes. I got to get out there. So, yes. <laughs> stop by if you're ever in Texas. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'll just get in line. I'll just shut up and I'll just do my kids. I'll do what I'm told. I'm a good student. But no. yeah, it's been an honor to meet you both of you guys. I can tell that you're, you're the real deal. You're putting out good things and good lessons for people. So however that if it stays in your classes or you continue blossoming on YouTube, whatever it is, I'm just thanking you both for putting good vibes out there and representing martial arts and humanity so well. Thank you, John. If you enjoyed that podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as hitting the notification bell. We offer in-person group and private lessons at our facility in Kyle, Texas, as well as virtual lessons anywhere in the world. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, you can find us online at risingphoenixtkd.com.